Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Death. And today is the season premiere of season two of Spooky Tuesday. Wow, fanfare. Fanfare. Cue the fanfare. Spooky oh my God. Tuesday. Spooky season season two. Tuesday. Season two. We were gone two weeks. <laughs> we were gone for so long. An incredible amount of time. It, I miss y'all so much. It was what like, did you guys do last week? Like, were you okay? I would honestly say, that? did you miss us? Um, but if all goes to plan, we will absolutely be spamming you with us on social. So you won't have the chance, really, frankly. <laughs> But still, you're like, oh, what, what, what's my direction for the week? Spooky Tuesday sets the vibe with their movie pick. I know. Well, we're back. Don't worry. And we, we're going to keep doing episodes through 100 or something crazy. Uh, but this week, we're starting off. <laughs> it's spooky season. Okay? It's, it's official. It's October now. So we're starting off with one of the ultimate classics of the spooky genre. And that is 1981, The Evil Dead. And this movie is, wow. <laughs> uh, I hadn't seen it in like two years and like, wow, it's it's something else. Also, I'm, I'm sure that this is the only NC-17 movie we've done on the pod so far, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is fun. And when I saw that, like I looked it up briefly before I watched it again and I was like, huh, I don't remember it being so bad. And then I watched it and I was like, ha, well, Ooh. I forgot a lot. <laughs> But anyway, if you haven't seen The Evil Dead, stop your life, go watch it. It's a classic. You have to watch it. But here is the IMDb synopsis for you. Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. That's pretty spot on. (laughs) Honestly, and my favorite part about this movie, one, this movie gives me everything that I want out of a horror movie. Literally, Mm -hmm everything well except for one thing but uh, <laughs> that's another Ooh. story we'll get there we'll get there um but this movie just straight up tells you what it is in the first like five minutes it like tells you exactly what it's gonna be and even though it literally tells you you are not prepared for this movie <laughs> absolutely not like Chelsea were you prepared for this movie um as a first time viewer here's the thing I think I mentioned on our little mini-sode last week when we introduced this film that I was like I have some baseline knowledge because of my Jane Levy phase she was in the remake um 
that said, as I was watching this movie, I kept being like, so which one of them is Mia? Because I know that Jane Levy played a character named Mia. It's not that kind of reboot. They gave new characters in the reboot. So it turns out I was less prepared than I thought. But I have seen Cabin in the Woods. And so I was not completely wholly unprepared. You know what I mean? Like once I saw what was happening, I was like, oh, a clear reference, but in reverse. Because to be clear, Cabin in the Woods is referencing the evil dad. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one I'm not even going to joke about um, because that that whole movie is a reference, a clear reference. So so I'm not even going to pretend. But it did help put things in place for me in a way that gave me um, some structure to my viewing. You know what I mean? Even though I didn't know anybody's name for a very long time. um, And then I started to collect names. um, And then... I still was like, who's Mia? Once we had Cheryl and Linda. And then it was like, oh, the other one is Shelly. Um, but I have everybody's names now. I have rough ideas of how they all go together on some level. Not completely. And I would like to discuss that at some point. Um, yeah. But did you guys know? Doesn't tell. Yeah. Cheryl says at one moment, there's like one quote after she's fully zombied where she's like, it's your sister, Cheryl. And I was like, is that his sister? <laughs> I was like, and we're dropping some hot new information like 45, 50 minutes into the film right now. I was like, I had no idea because I was confused. It's like two couples, right? And then the another woman who's single. And of course, they they pick on the single lady. They pick on Cheryl, poor Cheryl. But we've got Ashley Ash, my one true love. Um, I almost because I'm wearing a jean shirt to look like him. Um, and, and I was putting on my makeup with Sydney before the episode started, and I accidentally almost gave myself an eye uh, unibrow. And I almost kept it to be the theme, because he's got a lovely, lovely unibrow in this, um, and he rocks it. I told her we... she should have. I can I tell should've. you. I should have. From high school theater experience, everybody loves a girl with a unibrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, maybe I'll I'll do a mid mid episode <laughs> break and I'll put the unibrow on. It would take me seconds. Um, so Ash is there with Linda, right? That's his girlfriend. Yes, yes. And yeah. then Ash and Linda, Scott and Shelley. Yeah, and, and Cheryl. Cheryl is the fifth wheel, who's um, maybe his sister, I guess. Unless, but it's his sister, and that would make a lot more sense. I mean, not that they weren't all friends with her. But they weren't all friends with her because Scott was, as soon as she started freaking out, Scott started being like, she's such a baby. She always does. She acts like she's three years old. And it was like, okay, Scott does not like her. Although Scott, obviously a hater. You know what I mean? Not sure he likes anybody. Prepared to turn his back on literally everybody so fast. Um, But really didn't like Cheryl. Cheryl really didn't like him. I almost was like, how did they, if we had known that she was his sister, I think it would have made more sense from the beginning, but also he does not act it's like not she's his sister thing. at any point. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, this movie isn't about the people, except it's about Ash. Um, it's about how bonkers it is. Sure. Like, yeah. you don't know a damn thing about any of these fucking people. And you're like, that's fine. I don't really need to care about them. I'm just like holding on to my seat for dear life because <laughs> it's just shocker after shocker of all of this absolutely preposterous shit um and and i hadn't read about like the whole backstory of this movie before and it was awesome it was such a fun read like learning about how this worked like the fact that 
Okay, so Sam Raimi, the director, and Bruce Campbell are like best friends forever. And they like were itty bitty baby bean boys when they put this movie together. Sam was 20. I it's mentioned that Sam was 20 like 40 times. I imagine Bruce was around 20 as well. And they literally like grassroots put this movie together. It was like ramshackle. They ran out of money several times during the shoot and had to stop production. And like, I read some article that's like, they had some quote that was like, they had to like cut their hair, put on their business suits and start business suits and start knocking on doors to collect money or something like that. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that it was such a, like, you can tell that it's low budget, but. But that's <laughs> what makes it so good. Right? Like. That's the, I think that for me, like, so Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 2 has almost the exact same plot of Evil Dead 1. They said, did you it, like the Evil Dead? We'll give you exactly that same thing again. It You're is welcome. literally the exact same movie. It's but, like they just recast the other characters. And made I was them slightly so, different. Yes. But. I was so confused when I watched Evil can, Dead 2. <laughs> but you can, like, a lot of people prefer Evil Dead 2 and 3 over the original one. And I might have a controversial hot take. I love the first one way more. Like, the second one is wittier and the, the humor kind of comes through more. And yeah. it also has a lot of bonkers gore and horror. But the fact that the first one was so low budget is why I love it so much more than the second one, which is the exact same, but with more money and more, I don't know, like it's, the first one is charming and like in just absolutely perfection, perfection. It's so good. It's so good. And they, they did so much with like no money at all. Like they had all those cool spooky shots throughout, right? Where like it's the the camera is the demon, like s- skating through the woods, being Just all like spooky, like being and fast that was fuck boy, <laughs> yeah, spooky, spooky, fast demon. Um, and like there's one point where it like goes over a pond, and like to shoot that, it was Sam Raimi like on his belly holding the camera on a dinghy and Bruce Campbell was like pushing the dinghy really fast across the pond. There's this other, um, I saw, I had this other quote where they were trying to create the effect of like a low mode steady cam, so which was popularized by Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And they simulated that by having two operators run alongside the camera along the side of a two by four on which the camera had been mounted so they were just holding on to this two by four to try to keep it steady enough so it would look like it was a steady cam as it as a camera on a piece of wood slid down another piece of wood that they just lubed up with vaseline like that's how they did the shots. and (laughs) i love that if imdb is not lying those two camera operators were sam raimi and bruce campbell themselves and bruce campbell is ash so it was literally the director and his bff the star and like so many times in imdb it was like they finished production everybody else went home they realized actually they needed to do stuff so sam raimi and bruce campbell just did it themselves diy style 
the best that they could. Like everything on this movie was so absolutely jerry-rigged together. That final spooky shot at the end with um, the demon again, where the camera is kind of just like skating over the ground. Apparently that one, if IMDb is to be believed, um, was they they put the camera on a tripod and then they mounted the tripod on a motorcycle and then they drove the motorcycle through a forest and then they literally crashed it into him um and he broke several ribs apparently and there are again just like alien our grandio finale um the the workplace conditions are questionable on this film um oh totally but also wowie 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 okay well i read i i read all these fun articles and we'll we'll link them all in the in our references and our show notes but there was one that said that they started a rumor about okay okay apparently they spread a rumor that bruce campbell broke his jaw when san Raimi accidentally slammed his cam camera into campbell's face while filming one of the final shots but actually that was just a lie they said that the lie was that we put out the lie that we put out was that the final shot where the evil entity comes racing through the cabin and crashes into my face this is this is bruce campbell talking um the big lie is that Raimi rode a motorcycle through all the doors and he just had to hit me. I was willing to do it <laughs> as long as we got the shot, took it for the team, but no, no broken jaw. So they just said that he broke the jaw to make it seem like he like left his life on oh the on the cutting room floor, that kind of shit. Like they feel, I feel like- Are they just making up lies? They like, <laughs> they're just- Yeah, they, they, lie, they lied about the lying? broken jaw just to make it seem <laughs> like they're even more epic than they were. And I was like, babes, you already are really epic. You don't have to lie. Like, this is incredible. Yeah, because there's another also- IMDb trivia piece that's like a cameraman slipped during filming, smashing his camera into Bruce Campbell's face and knocking out several of the actor's teeth. So now we have a claim that a camera smashed his face and knocked out his teeth. We have the lie that the motorcycle drove into him and broke his ribs. We have the lie that the motorcycle drove into him and broke his jaw. What's going There's on a lot here? Of fucking lore about this movie because the circumstances for the production were so fucking hilarious. Like for example, the house, like they, they were at like an actual abandoned cabin and um there's actually a really cool spooky story about the cabin hold on let me see if i can find it in my notes it was amazing hold on i love that okay so they're all from michigan Uh uh-huh but they filmed it in tennessee because they were like it's going to be too cold to film in michigan let's go south and then it ended up being the most brutal winter in Tennessee. And it was so cold. And it was like a very mild winter in Michigan. <laughs> it's so funny. Like so much, it was so cold that, and they all just like lived in that tiny cabin. Like the, the whole cast was just in that cabin, which was like a cabin that had nothing, you know, it had like, maybe it had electricity, but like it, it had just no had the fire. Yeah. No plumbing. They all didn't shower for weeks. I don't believe any of this anymore, though, with all of these lies out here. I I read other articles that aren't IMDb trivia, and I found the same things in some of them. Um, But like, so there's like some source material with like quotes from them. So we can pretend maybe. But you just said that the motorcycle thing was a lie that came directly from Bruce Campbell's mouth. So these hoes out here 
making shit up. That is very fun shit. I will absolutely buy into it. You know what I mean? I love a lie. I love a liar. Um, but I just don't know who to trust anymore. There's no way to really know, but they did tell this really fun story. Um, I think this is a quote from Sam. Oh yeah, it is. It's from Sam. And it's about the cabin that they chose to film the film, to film the film, um, to shoot the film. Um, and this is what he said. One night during a thunderstorm, this little girl. Okay, sorry. Let me go back. Okay. This is the lore about the cabin. So this is like a story they were told about the cabin that they were in. So this is the story. One night during a thunderstorm, this little girl woke up and was scared of the lightning happening around the cabin. She ran into her mother's room and pulling back the covers, climbing into bed with her, she found that her mother was dead. She was so frightened, she ran into her grandmother's room and somehow that same evening, she had died also. The literal girl is fucked up. It's fucked up. (laughs) The little girl ran into the storm to this farmhouse um, and the family that was living there and and they found her screaming and banging on the doors. The farm, the farm family took care of her after that and no one lived in the cabin since. The little girl who's now an old woman during the thunderstorms after that would often be found wandering around the woods which is so spooky and I he totally could have pulled that out of his ass but like he's good at spooky shit so I don't care I love it I love a scary story you know how I feel about the woods you know how I feel about the woods well it gets worse so apparently there was like a that's the story they had heard before they got there but then Sam goes on to say, as we were shooting this, the film, this fella from the farmhouse that took in the little girl was looking for the now old woman saying that because there was a thunderstorm the night before she, he was out looking for the woman because it was possible she had returned to the cabin. And then he says, as far as we know, they never found her. I was like, Sam, (laughs) he loves to sit around a campfire and just get creative. And I love that for him. And I absolutely don't trust a word out of his mouth. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, there's no, there's no fucking trust (laughs) at all. Um, but yeah. And also another thing that was so crazy just about the production of this movie Mm -hmm. is that, um, Joel Cohen was the assistant director oh he was like the editing producer's assistant or something like that yeah when brothers got roped into this yeah that's joel uh uh, as of ethan and joel the cohen brothers like that's (laughs) fucking insane (laughs) so this is like launched people this was all genre defining look at all these genre defining things that we did wow and damn midwest boys I know, I know. We ended the season with a genre-defining science fiction flick, and now we're starting season two with (laughs) the blueprint for the cabin in the woods. (laughs) Also, really off subject, but it's just so funny. I can't believe the fact that the man that brought us this, the most perfect horror movie ever made, also did the spider-man movies i knew that's what you were gonna say which ones uh the, the toby, toby Maguire one two and three oh! and I imdb literally was like this movie had a 
$350,000 budget. Spider-Man 3, at the time, the biggest budget there ever was, $350 million. Like literally in IMDb, they were like, don't forget that the movie where Tobey Maguire performs a song and dance as Spider-Man, but not in costume as Spider-Man, just as regular Peter Parker, but dark Peter Parker. Goth. Yeah, goth Peter Parker. Oh. Um, that's That's the same man who's bringing you this movie. That scans. Are you kidding me? How does oh, yeah. that not make so much sense? Of course, now that I know that, because I was like, oh, I know Sam Raimi does tons of shit now. And I meant to Google it before, but I forgot to look it up. This makes so much sense. You you watch the first two Spider-Mans and you're like, this, do- this doesn't make sense because there hasn't been something as hilarious as the dancing down the street emo Tommy McGuire <laughs> scene. And then he comes in with the final film and he's like, don't worry, here it is. Here's the comedy you were looking for. The Honestly, the escalation of the first Spider-Man to Spider-Man 3 is very similar here as the first Evil Dead to the Evil Dead franchise. Okay, because- I assume, I haven't you- seen any of the others. Oh, but I, no, but, but I know you're read. fucking right. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got Evil Dead 1. Can't be cute. DIY. Whatever. We got Evil Dead 2. The same movie again. Higher budget. Wittier jokes. More put together. Also great though. Still great. Evil Dead 3 is bananas. Bananas. And I I like started watching it and then I just wasn't in the right spot for it. But it's literally a time travel movie. (laughs) Yes. When you say literally, you mean... The dictionary definition. Medieval sharks. Remember that? Uh Uh-huh. From 47 meters down on cage. So every episode is a a shark movie episode now? Uh, (laughs) No, no. But like the, I went to medieval sharks because I was thinking about the third evil dead movie. What is that one called? It has a crazy name too. Uh, The evil dead three. Army of darkness. Army of darkness. Wow. Wowie. Army of darkness. Oh man. Okay. I'm watching that this spooky season. Okay. Also, I have a couple crossovers for the evil. Okay. 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 One, uh, the car in this movie. Mm, Yep. Is Sam Raimi's dad's car. Oh yeah. And it's also in multiple Sam, like other Sam Raimi movies. Like it's in the first two Spider-Man one, it's uncle Ben's car. Like (gasps) he's, put it in I think multiple other of his movies I have a little it list lasted here if you'd until like. Ooh, it yes. lasted all the way till Spider-Man this came out in 81 I mean do we know that it was actually driving at any point in those movies or was it the kind of thing where we see it stationary and then they're like towing it for filming a driving scene you know what I mean maybe it's absolutely not functional but also or you know he has money and can yeah, afford to that was gonna be my other point <laughs> that's the answer he has 350 million dollars for the budget of Spider-Man 3. but per IMDb over his years as a director Raimi's 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88, originally bought by Raimi's father for the family when Sam was 14, has, quote, played Ash's car in the Evil Dead movies, Uncle Ben and Aunt May's car in the Spider-Man movies, Annie's car in The Gift, and Mrs. Ganache's car in Drag Me to Hell, and has made cameos in nearly all of his other movies. So it's had a starring role in like four different franchises. He did drag me to hell, like yeah. the one with Justin Long. Mm-hmm. I I assume I'm, the 2009 one. Are there? More I've been than wanting one? to see that so bad. 
I I made a joke about being dragged to hell just the other day, <laughs> and I was like, I have no right to make this joke without having seen the film. And I love Justin Long, so um, yeah. Honestly, though, I okay. do a little bit feel. Um, perhaps on some point we'll get back on track. I do a little bit feel like the production of this movie and all of the behind the scenes stuff is so interesting that this is almost going to be like a Blair Witch style episode where we just talk about the making of the movie. 75% and then the movie 25%. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I've got a lot to say about the actual movie, but I've got like five more things to say about the production too. And this I still so have another like faux canon crossover event that is Ooh. wild. I what mean, is it? Mind-blowingly wild. Fuck. Okay. I'm not ready. So in 1993, uh, there was another Jason Voorhees movie called Jason Goes to Hell. And in one of the scenes, you can, like, one of the characters discovers, like, a really large, ornate knife and a really fucked up book. And a lot of people notice that it looks like the uh, Kandarian dagger, right? That's what they're called, the Kandarian demons. It looks like the dagger in Evil Dead and the book. And so the... um, the director of Jason Goes to Hell basically said that Miss Voorhees made a like a read this book to bring her son back. And that's why Jason isn't Jason. Jason is a deadite. And that's why he is like unstoppable. Oh, my that's why he's a Gombi. I didn't know this movie was that's full of Gombies. <laughs> And, and it also makes like, sense why he comes back as a full ass grown adult man when he died. Yes, when he was instead of like a little boy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I, I was like, love that. I that was like, me- I can fuck with that. I love to know the fact that like Jason Voorhees and Ash live in the same universe. universe. Yeah. Like I fuck well, with that so hard. I will now consider watching any of the other Jason movies before I was just like, this shit don't make no sense. But you know what? what why? I never want it to make sense. So here's what I would I'm like. I'm going to watch it. I what? would like, um, you know how there's Freddy versus Jason, Ash versus the evil dead, blah, 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 all that stuff. I would like um, Ash versus Jason underwater, I think. Ooh, <laughs> Everything's yes. a shark movie. Um Gombies, I believe, possibly don't need oxygen is my my assumption. Uh, he does go to space. I don't know if he's ever out, outside in the space of space or if he's uh, in the ship. Um, I But I feel like it would be possible. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And also, again, everything is a shark movie. So it just feels like that would be a really great combo. And that would be really genre defying. You know what I mean? Um, but also bring a lot of good things together. And if we can just willy nilly decide for ourselves and we can, that things exist in the same universe, I don't see why not this one. I don't see why not 47 meters down Ash vs. Jason. I love it. I would watch it. And I bet Bruce Campbell would do it. Let me write that spec script. Let me let me email <laughs> Sam Raimi. We can bring in the medieval sharks. My brilliant idea. Okay. This is actually um, the spiritual sequel to the Evil Dead Three, whatever, whatever you just called it. Um, of darkness. Yes, taking the time travel, taking 
the adventuring into new lands, taking little bits and pieces from all over. Um, maybe Pamela makes her return. Uh, you know, if, if we have time travel, I just, I don't see why we can't absolutely put all of these elements together. I don't understand why we can't have it all. We I can. want it all. I want it all. I want it all. The and only- I want it now. Chelsea, start writing. <laughs> 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 do you hear me typing yes. keyboard clackles violently <laughs> but yeah i mean um the only thing that couldn't be included in the crossover is the hills have eyes since canonically this movie exists in a universe where the hills have eyes was already a movie at least the yeah. um 70s version or whenever 70s the original right? yeah yeah um the, original. Because- the west craven one yeah, and, and I think time we talked- movie and it had the poster for the 2012. <laughs> you imagine? Oh, it's actually also an alternate universe movie like Happy Death Day 2. We are now bringing that into this universe. Um deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I like I said in our mini said that's one of my favesies. So you best believe that's one of my inspirations for this uh sure to be Oscar winning film. Mm-hmm. I I think it's going to go really well. There's some real and good stuff here. Need- if you're also going to be directing, mm-hmm. um, I will happily pu- push you around in a dinghy boat <gasps> while you hold uh, the camera. Girl. I can go really fast. So really, we'll girl. get the good shot. Love it. <laughs> okay. So if we're going to go into the actual film soon, before we do that, I just want to bring up one thing that I thought was so awesome. And it's that Stephen King was actually a huge part of everything that happened with this movie. Um He's like part of the reason that it actually got the hype that it got and actually got put into not production. It was already produced. uh, It was already created, put into distribution, I think. Um, So they somehow got the movie to um, be screened at Cannes. Cannes? Con? Con. Con. We figured this out that one other episode at Con in 1982. And Stephen King happened to be in the audience. And he apparently was gleefully cheering in the theater throughout (laughs) the movie screening. And then Sam Raimi had like wanted him to like have a little soundbite or something about if he liked it or not. But instead he wrote like a full review and here's a quote from it. Stephen King said, the evil dead has a simple, stupid power of a good campfire story, but its simplicity is not a side effect. It is something carefully crafted by Raimi, who is anything but stupid, who is so full of talent that anybody unable to get it together might be tempted to wonder if gobbling the man's fingernails could possibly do any good. Yeah. What a visual. <laughs> what? What a thing. Look gobbling at that. Gobbling the man's fingernails. He's mm. known to throw down an analogy or two in his books. Okay, I've now read two of them. I I'm don't like that, that, but I do respect it. I Yeah, totally. And then um, he also, uh, later on, Sam Raimi was trying to make the second one and he was having a hard time getting uh, someone to like pick it up and be the producer. And Stephen King heard that and he was able to convince the producer that he was working with at that time to to step in and then that's how the second movie got made wow <laughs> yeah. i love that stephen king he's our hero 
<laughs> okay. He now, um, I do want to actually talk about the film and I want to start by asking you a very important question, which uh-huh. is, um, what would your reaction be if you went away for a little weekend with your boo, you went away for a little weekend with your boo, maybe some other people, but your boo, a little, little romantic moments. They give you a yeah, gift. Yeah. You open it. It's a monocle. I would be thrilled because I have that exact necklace. <laughs> you have a monocle? I do. And, and do you Wait, use of it? Of course. I have it. It's like a magnifying glass, not a monocle. What's the difference? I bought it. I bought it in Las Vegas from the Mark Jacobs store because it was the cheapest thing they sold at the Mark Jacobs store and I wanted to be fancy. Sure. And it was when I was in eighth grade. So <laughs> eighth, eighth grade Monica has the same taste as 20 year old Ash <laughs> from the Evil Dead. But it's a cute necklace. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm gonna look for it right okay now. one would never be me because you know how, again you know how I feel about the woods my sure. boo like they'd be like let's just go to this cabin that we've never seen in the middle of Tennessee in the <laughs> early 80s as somebody who is like from the deep south like if you are not from here like you have no business being here <laughs> like, like in the woods in particular you know what I mean that's like what if I'm you want to like, go to in a this big setting, city whatever no no in that setting like you one you'll get lost which the crew actually did get lost a couple times like trying to get to places I was like yeah no shit you're not from here <laughs> Look, I'll tell you, my family has a cabin in Wyoming that like my great, great grandfather built or whatever. I was in Wyoming recently. I was like, oh, let me just drive past it on my route. Didn't recognize a single street I was supposed to pull off on to find it. Couldn't have. I've never driven there before, but I've been driven there approximately. I don't know. How old am I? Almost 30. I probably been driven there 20 times um, minimum. Did not recognize it to save my life. You know what I mean? familiar with the area I was definitely on the right street coming from the opposite direction was on the lookout couldn't find it you could not send me into the woods in Tennessee especially without GPS and expect me to find shit you know what I mean like I'm not that's already you're in a recipe for trouble you're already in a horror movie just driving to that cabin in an unfamiliar locale and then you know the story already that that girl's both of her her mom and her grandma fucking died in that house like you're gonna really go there and then there's all this like imdb trivia that was like one was like after the filming they made a time capsule and they put it in the fireplace i was like that's cute and then the next one was like and the whole cabin burnt to the ground and only the fireplace stands today and that part's true i don't know about the time capsule but it just seems like it was cursed land probably IMDb trivia says that um, Sam Raimi burned it down himself. Um, and so I don't. Another law. Yeah, again, do I believe him? <laughs> no longer sure. I, I sure did before we started recording and now absolutely not. Um, but the idea of it alone is is fascinating and terrifying. But for the characters even, you know what I mean? They're not familiar with the area either. And then they drive across a bridge support beams immediately fall into the water below how do you not abandon your plan entirely hitchhike back into town 
They're like, oh, only part of it fall down. It's fine. They're young college kids. They're like, I want to party. But also, like, it doesn't seem like they brought very many supplies. They were heading for trouble no matter what, frankly, is the takeaway. Oh, my God. She's got her monocle. <laughs> I found it. I, found I know it. that you're saying it's a, not a mag. It's a magnifying glass. And I know that <laughs> uh, per Google, a magnifying glass is different than the corrective oh, lens of a monocle. But frankly, <laughs> not to me. A monocle. Wow. A monocle. Oh my wow. god. Yeah. So uh I after I watched this movie for the first time, um, I was like, I am going to be Linda and Adam is going to be Ash for Halloween. Um, and you know what? I think it might go down this year. <gasps> I think that might be what we do. Are you gonna now do that I found this? Gombi Linda, or are you going to do nice girl Linda? Gombi, 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 Gombi. Gotta be, gotta Gombi. be, gotta be. Her hair is cuter when she's Gombi. And then I could do that spooky ass makeup. Are you kidding her, me? Her like weird, the, like, doll makeup. baby doll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. Eyebrows are so scary. I'm going to have to like delete my eyebrows and then draw them on again, but I'm willing to do it. Okay. Something about that um, that I want to appreciate, uh, share some appreciation for. And again, no structure to this episode. Sorry if you thought there might be. What we love to give you is a little surprise each time. You never know what you're getting. Um, Season two, wow. even less structure than before. <laughs> even more chaotic. Um, but <laughs> so we get our first Gombi and Cheryl, obviously. Um, and for the most part, she stays a Gombi the whole time. Um, yeah. But also, can I just say really quickly before we move on from that? I would immediately tell you guys if my hand got possessed and I drew a scary book. I would tell you. Oh, I would, I would be like, out. I'd be like, guys, we got to get the fuck out of these woods. I'd start screaming at the top of my lungs. My hand is moving without. <laughs> <laughs> did she draw without a book? Be controlling it. Or did she yeah, draw she the trap door? She drew the face of the book. Oh, the I thought she drew the, the trap door because then it like lowered and the trap door was right there. And I was like, oh, because it well. Yeah, it's like shaped like that, but it has like eyes okay. and like the nose All and right. like the weird mouth and then the the face of the Book of the Dead. Wow. Well, the cover of the Book of the Dead is a human skin face. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Stunning. Lovely. We love a leather bound book. <laughs> but yeah, when um she gets gombied, um, and then at some point not long after Shelly also gets gombied. And then when Shelly gets hacked to death, I kind of thought oh. that it would be cool if after Shelly got hacked, that her body would turn back into normal Shelly. And then they would be left to be like, did we actually kill a gombie? Did we kill our friend? Like what happened? But we didn't get that. And then just a few minutes later, Linda was like, oh, you wanted that? Let me deliver that to you exactly. I'm going to become normal Linda after getting gombified. Because Shelly's whole thing when she was getting dismembered because the Book of the Dead told them, or the recording told them, um, you have to dismember your wife, um, which... Did he try anything else before that? I wonder. Um, he, maybe he <laughs> right. went right to dismember your wife. Who knows? Because um, it certainly seems in the end of the movie, some other things happened here. But um, so so Shelly gets hacked. And as Shelly is getting her body parts chopped off, she's like, are you really going to kill the woman you love to Scott? Which like, first of all, don't try to play Rude. that with Scott. Because Scott oh, absolutely Scott is prepared to kill the woman he loves, even if she's not a zombie. Scott is... Stone cold. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. 
seriously no love no trust with scott bye yeah but i but i i loved that i was like oh that would have been a cool thing to do and then the movie was like do you know what's a cool thing to do exactly what you just said um and i thought it was used really effectively in that moment for linda to be like oh no help me and i kind of wondered if it was if the Gombi truly left her for that moment and it was really Linda coming forward and being like, what's going on? Um, finally, she was back in the driver's seat of her body or if it was just the Gombi playing games. Do you have thoughts on that? I think it was games. Yeah. I like to think that it was like a whole manipulative thing. A little um, clear reference to the autopsy of Jane Doe. Exactly. Precisely. I love a mind game because it was like exactly when he was about to kill her, right? So he it was before that, I think. Um, because she was oh. just like sitting off they I don't know why. They had just been like, Linda's fine just sitting over there for some reason. She's just giggling her little head off. No big deal, you know. Um, <laughs> but but it was um Gosh, I just thought it was because that's also the scene. Cheryl turns back into normal Cheryl at one point and is like, let me out. Like, are you going to leave me here to die? Um, And and gosh, I just I'm your sister. Because, okay, I was having the thought that um, obviously Scott gets gone at some point, too. But before that happened, I was like, all of the women have been gone the original Dr. Academe, or, or I don't remember if he had a name, but the original guy on the recording who brought the, um, what did you call it? Um, Book of the mm-hmm. Dead. Can, can, who was oh, exploring can. the Kandorian ruins and found the volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. He's also a man and it was his wife who got gombied. And so I was almost like, is this a lady thing? Um, and I that's was, what I was thinking too. Right. Um, and then I was like, I wonder if that's because um, would it be harder for a man to kill a lady? And so they think like they're playing on like, you wouldn't hurt me. You love me. And I'm just a defenseless little lady. Um, but then Scott got gombied. And so I was like, well, maybe not. Um, but I was wondering that, you know what I mean? Like they keep being like, I'm your girlfriend. Could you really kill me? And then both of them are, well, Scott's like, yeah, no question. And then Ash is like, some questions. Um, he really only does it when it gets down to it. You know what I mean? Cause there is that whole scene where he chains her up and is about to chainsaw her. And then he just can't do it out of the love in his heart. He loves yeah. Her. And they leave Gumby Cheryl just like banging at the trap door for, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes um, before finally she escapes. And then they actually have to deal with her. But would the girls, do you think, if the positions had been switched, would they have been able to kill the men? Would they have killed the men? Would they have tried to wait longer? Like, I thought that's what the movie was playing on at first until Scott also got gombied. I feel like they could have done it. I would have immediately tried. I would have been like, you know what? I don't even care. Like, you Scott's gone now. That was a thought that I had. last week. 
Yeah. And I was like, if it was Scott, if Scott was the first zombie, he would have been murdered immediately because Cheryl would not have waited. Um, Cheryl at no. least would have been like, no, no chances. First of all, she was already like something spooky as a foot. And second of all, she was already like, Scott sucks. And I hate him with my whole being. So she would have dismembered that bitch as soon as she heard it on the recording. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but, but I don't know that they would, I think they would have tried to save Ash maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I just would love well, to explore. Who wouldn't try to more. save Ash? Yeah, I if Ash that. was the first one, I think they all would have tried to been like, no, we must save him. But if it was Scott, immediately. Oh, gone. God's getting like, God. Chopping gone. him up in Scott tiny fucking sucks. Pieces. It's his fault. It's his fault because he's the one who went down into the basement to be a little bitch boy and then played that nasty trick on everyone where he hid in the dark room and wouldn't come up when they were calling him. That shit's fucked up. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then... He gets all the shit out, the tape deck thing, whatever. And Cheryl's obviously having a conniption, rightfully so, and doesn't want to listen to it. And not only does he play it, but he speeds forward right directly to the part where they're speaking in Latin. Never play the Latin. Never play <laughs> Never. the Latin. Never read it aloud. When I were going through the book, I couldn't remember what happened, but they're going through, uh, Ash was going through the pages of the book. And I was like, okay, well, there's no way he can read that. So how do they read this? And I was like, oh, the God, there's a goddamn recording. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. He's, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. I hate him. Um, also, hey, dumb bitch, entire... you might say. Oh, some would say. Um, I think it's a little premature say to that. say that. But perhaps <laughs> in an hour, it won't be. In an hour. Oh, oh my God. God. How long have we been recording? I don't know. <laughs> I've known since <laughs> not, not in an hour. Dude. Not an hour. Um, this is a three-hour okay. premiere. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a three-hour premiere. Wait, three so this entire that's a, just <laughs> the entire time that we've been talking about like the Book of the Dead, which is like the whole thing. This is like <gasps> word has been coming to my mind, oh. which is not the right word. And someone needs to call in and tell me what I'm thinking of. But the word Deuteronicon is coming to my head. But that's not it. But it's something Eronicon. And that's some other spooky book from something. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm thinking of the spooky book thing from the Scooby-Doo movie. I just looked it up. No, that's the Damon Ritus. That's not it. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck I'm thinking of. It's driving me insane. You're thinking of the Necronomicon, um, also referred to as the Book of the Dead. Um, Is that from Pocus Pocus? It, it, yeah. No, it's from this movie. I don't know if they Do say, they I, I believe you, but it is, um, it appears in stories by the horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. Am I thinking of the second movie? Is that what's happening? Because the second movie has a lot more of the lore in it, if I remember correctly. Yes, I think so. Hold on. Uh, okay. All right. Well, spoiler. That's what the book gets yeah, called. The Necromonicon. The, the Necromon... Necro... Myacon ex mortis is what the book of the dead is love called. that also i read that they were gonna call the movie the book of the dead and i'm really glad they didn't okay apparently <laughs> they were gonna call it the book of the dead and then they were like no we're trying to attack attract a movie audience we don't want book audience they don't go to movies we if we call it the book of the dead then nobody's gonna come because they're gonna think this movie is for nerds 
Yeah, no, exactly. It was like, we want the youth to come watch this, even though it's NC-17. And so the youth, if they think that there's a literary reference in the title, they'll hate it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Giving them absolutely no credit. Giving the youth of America no credit. I will say, though, The Evil Dead is a better title. Way oh, yeah. better. Although they Eats called it, like, bound. the least worst when they came up with it. They were just like, of our options, this is the one we hate the least. The least. Um, but I do think it slaps. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those things, maybe, though, where it's like... um when you first come up with it, maybe it would sound a little basic or like when, but, but it's so normal to hear because we've heard it for so long that it just like sounds cool. And, and you just think of exactly what it is. Whereas it's one of those things where if you like break it down and think about it, like the word dishwasher too much, you know what I mean? You don't think about it, but it literally is like the washer of dishes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's literally like, Oh, they're dead and they're evil. Um, but, but if you don't (laughs) do that, and if you just go the evil dead, it absolutely slaps as a title. Well, what they could have done, they could have done the title that they came up with for the pitch movie that they made. They made a super eight, a 30 minute super eight movie to try to get investors. And that one was called Within the Woods, which is a spooky, fun name. But also when I think of Within the Woods, I think of something that's a bit more serious than Evil Dead. And I think Evil Dead kind of informs you a little bit that's going to be a little kooky. Yeah. So you're at least expecting that a little bit. Because if you go in thinking this is going to be a serious movie, you might get pissed. <laughs> Within the Woods sounds a little bit like a prestige drama. You know what I mean? Yes. Where it's like... Starring Timothy Chalamet. A retired author is working on his next project. He doesn't know what to do. So he sequesters himself in the woods and then spooky things start happening to him. And it's played by um, Timothy Chalamet is the son. You know what I mean? And the author is Ethan Hawkey. And he's got his little glasses. Actually, it's Sinister in the Woods. Yeah, it's Sinister in the Woods. Sounds like a great movie. I'd watch it. Timothy Chalamet could absolutely play the son who unfolds himself from a box. (laughs) He seems limber. Yeah. (laughs) So before we get too deep into the movie itself, we have to talk about one of the least good parts of it. Uh, When I watched this movie last night, um, I was, uh, you know, trying to just chill. It had been a long day. And I was like, this movie is funny and spooky. It's great. And then like the third thing that happens is what happens to Cheryl. Um, and I was like, did I end a terrible movie? Is the whole movie like this? Cause in true Monica fashion, I deleted that part from my mind. And I think it was a protective measure this time instead of my new normal bullshit. But yes, Cheryl does have a horrible experience where the trees come alive and it's the worst thing ever um and I just wish that they hadn't done that part because it's like the rest of the movie they could have established that the trees were alive and they'll mess you up in a different way you know there are other ways they could have done that I think it really didn't need to be that you know what I mean It, it would okay when we talked about this kind of similar thing in Alien, um, at least it made sense plot-wise what it would have been in Alien, you know what I mean? Um, at, at least to some degree, like it was literally like the the 
impregnation symbolically metaphorically or whatever with the face hugger um Mm -hmm. and and whatever it was going to be with Ripley at the end you know what I mean um there's there's no reason for it to be that in this movie but like you said you wish it wasn't here apparently Sam Raimi also wishes it wasn't here um which is something I guess you know what I mean yeah he was 20 when he wrote it and put it all together so like not great um but but 20 is at least um couldn't even drink yeah yeah Um, I I know but still but still it just wasn't necessary but he has a quote where he says it was unnecessarily gratuitous and a little a little too brutal a little too brutal a little a little little And he said, my goal was not to offend people. My judgment was a little wrong at that time. He keeps saying a little, and I don't think that he's like going far enough, but you know, the rest of the movie is an absolute joy. Um, The thing is though with that scene- Enough so you forget. Yeah, the thing is with that scene, I watched it and obviously I understood what was happening in the sense that like the trees are ripping off her clothes. They're holding her down. It literally like exposes her breasts that she's trying to cover. It's, you know, we've, you've seen it. Um, but then afterwards I saw that she was wearing undies and I was like, Oh, I'm going to just imagine that, you know, she has undies on. So whatever I thought was happening, couldn't have actually made it to that point. I went back and rewatched it. No, they made it pretty, they made it pretty clear. They really did not leave any room for interpretation. There is apparently, and I don't remember this. So let me know if you guys remember this, but IMDB said, um, there is a scene at the end that they thought would maybe try to sort of balance it out where like Linda attacks Ash similarly. I don't know. Yeah. What specifically they were talking about, but I only watched it one time. So maybe I just like missed that moment. I remember. Okay. I accidentally rewatched it this morning when I was trying to grab our closing quote and I could not find it. Just got sucked all the way in. Yeah. (laughs) So I watched this part instead. I almost lost my mind. Um, But yeah, so basically he brings Linda's body outside to bury her Mm -hmm. and something happens where she comes alive and becomes a deadite again. And she like, jumps onto him and is kind of like straddling him a little bit and in that kerfuffle is when she loses her head and then her head like ejaculates blood all over his face a lot of the time okay I will say about that scene I did really like um when he gave her and I will be calling it a monocle and you can't stop me when he gave her the monocle in the beginning of the movie and they did their like funny little like peeking at each other scene I liked that they brought that that. I loved that that came back around um and I also love super super funny yeah something this movie did do that I thought was really great was every time that I was like oh man why aren't they doing this I wish they would do this like a few minutes later they were like oh is that what you wanted here you go um because when he was let me cater to you right when he was fighting her in that scene I kept being like use the sharp side of the shovel like what are you doing you've got this right here you need to dismember weren't you listening and then seconds later he like grabs the shovel and goes for it and I was like finally he got there you know what I mean but he was panicking in the moment he needed a sec and like I get it, yeah. Ash. Like you are having an emotional journey, first of all, because that is she that's Linda, your girlfriend. And also she keeps being like, I'm Linda, your girlfriend. You know what I mean? So it's a lot. 
Um, and his sister just died. Although he and his did, best friend. Let's not is pretend dying. that he um and with Cheryl like at all. Well, okay, okay, no, but he <laughs> did when she was like, "I need to go, I need to go right now." He was like, "I'll take you to town." Like he barely hesitated. He did. Yeah, he did. He, he did. She he, was Scott like, "Are was you going to take me to town or not?" And then finally, he was like, "Okay, let's go." Okay, yeah. I mean, not every like. It it was a a a wild situation uh, in the middle of the night, but also gotta listen to her. Listen to the woman when Sydney tells you that there's ghosts in the house. There's ghosts in the house, okay? Right. Um, but he did seem like caring to her in that time, but not caring enough for me to be like, ah, brother sister. No, not at all like that. Um, but I did like uh the like kind of the only character development that we really get in this film at all is Ash. Because, you know, he's nice the whole time, more nice than Scott. But, like, at one point, I can't remember who's coming at him. It might be Cheryl or it might be Shelly. And he just completely, <gasps> it's Shelly. He completely freezes up. He has, like, the gun and he, like, can't do anything. He can't point it. He can't do anything. He's, like, completely frozen. And Scott has to grab, oh, it's the axe. Scott has to grab the axe and then dismember Shelly. And so he, like goes from being like completely like shot under pressure like frozen under pressure to being like badass motherfucker who takes care of business <laughs> chops everybody up um launches linda with his feet acro yoga style acro <laughs> yoga style yeah i have a so question he, yeah so when <laughs> like after after scott chops up shelly uh-huh. right and she's laying on the floor, like still twitching and all this kind of stuff in like multiple uh-huh. little pieces. But she still looks like the demon, right? Uh-huh. But when we see Linda and Ash is trying, like he's like strapped her down to a table and all this kind of stuff, like, and he's going to like chainsaw her. She looks like Linda and not the demon. So say like a random person at this point like just like the police immediately just showed up like happened out of the blue would it look like Shelly is still in like demon form or like how do you think like that would have played out like here's my argument Sure. Oh, you go first and then I'll say mine. I think um, we established already that Gombi Linda was playing games. You know what I mean? That's a strategic move on her part. So I would argue that Shelly is full dead. You know what I mean? And can't play any more moves. There are no more moves to make once you've been dismembered. So I think she would stay looking like a Gombi. But doesn't she like come back at the end? No? Am I just like... It's kind of hard to tell which Gombi's which, which Deadite is which at the end. Right. But I was like, isn't she like, doesn't she like kind of reanimate? I, I think a it bit? was Cheryl. I think it was Cheryl because oh, Cheryl's okay. still in one piece. But I will say this I think some of these logical fallacies that we are encountering now, like why did Linda become a lady again and, and Shelly did not, I think it might be one of the fake Shemp's issues 
because during the filming of this movie, I don't know. Okay, I had no idea about this. So I went on the IMDb, and if you go onto the, the IMDb just normal page for The Evil Dead, you scroll to the top cast, you open up the whole cast, and you see like you see the fir- the five people who are in it, and then you say you see Philip A. Gillis as Fake Shemp, Dorothy Tappert, Fake Shemp, Cheryl, Fake Shemp. Barbara, fake shemp. I was like, what the fuck is a fake shemp? Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is this? And what it was is that the main actors besides Ash had to leave <laughs> at, like, at some point during the filming. So they just had other people in the zombie outfits, in the zombie makeup. And they were the ones being the zombies for the whole rest of the time. Because you can't tell because they're wearing so much makeup, which yeah. is brilliant. But maybe Shelly, the actress that played Shelly, Teresa Tilly, maybe she had to go. And maybe they got <laughs> Linda for a little bit longer. Maybe they had Betsy Baker for a little bit longer. And so she was able to do a few more normal girl shots. Um, that could make that's sense. That's the reason I like it. <laughs> I think it is truly wild that and understandable considering that the actors yes. who played um, the human characters, as soon as they were filming filming as the human characters they were like I'm out of here you could not first of all you don't have the money to pay me anymore but no matter this is my assumption this is not anything that they've said anywhere that I found online although I just read the IMDb trivia but I assume that they were like you have no more money to pay me and you could not pay me to spend one more day in this creaky cabin that you refurbished yourself that is so cold that the camera and all of the wiring froze and had to be defrosted by the fire you could not pay me to spend one more day here I'm out a the sound guy can play the zombie listen I wouldn't have been there in the first place with no plumbing I need to be able to flesh did they just like make them pee in the woods what they make them do Sam Raimi probably answer for your crimes I would have stayed anything for Bruce Campbell (laughs) (laughs) anything Anything for that unibrow oh man he really rocks it it's great and he's like hella ripped in army of darkness so can't wait to watch that one (laughs) but truly just like the filming conditions are so insane and Bruce Campbell a liar apparently but in his autobiography he described the film's production as quote a comedy of errors and quote 12 weeks of mirthless exercise in agony and part of that yeah. agony is when the the gombies had to wear their white contacts apparently that was just like not contact material the way we have today it was essentially just glass and it took them 10 minutes to put in their eyes and then they could only have it in there for 15 minutes before they had to pop them out so that their eyes could receive oxygen i also read that (laughs) horrible yeah i also read that bruce campbell like twisted his ankle while running through the woods and san raimi and the guy who plays scott i think just like wanted to fuck with him so they like poked him in the ankle a whole bunch of times to fuck with him and so like sometimes he has a limp in the movie and it's because they'd fucked with his ankle so much i was like poor poor bruce like it's a lot of shit to take from your best friend who's also very soon going to be hitting you with a motorcycle for the ending of this film i love oh man that we ended season one with a lot of like milky white oh yeah only to 
start season two with also milky white blood. And they used real milk this time. So at least there's that. Yum. Well, it oh was my God, cold Sydney. when they were filming. So it wasn't That's really something, I guess. <laughs> Sydney, were you like in rapture when the house started filling with blood? Like yes. blood was pouring through the blood in the fucking light bulb out of the mm-hmm. sockets flashing on the projector. There's so much blood in this movie. And I, one of the like weird trivia things was like Bruce Campbell's shirt was so saturated (laughs) and it was so cold that when he tried to put his shirt back on, it broke because the fake blood, like (laughs) it was so like intense on his shirt. And I was like, they could have had more blood. Could have been more blood. <laughs> they couldn't have had more blood. This they specifically used milk for Gombe blood so that they could try to avoid like even more censorship than they were already facing. They said we have so Seriously. this movie is literally saturated in blood. We need to replace some of it with milk so that we can even release this film in theaters. Seriously, and it already got like banned so many places. Like it was banned in the UK, all these places because it was just so heinous, no one could handle it. It was what was it called in the UK? There was like a whole th- video nasty is what it was. Um, there's I don't really know what this means, and I didn't finish reading the Wikipedia page because I decided I didn't care that much. But there's like a whole censorship debate in the UK um, about inappropriate videos, and they were called video nasties. And this was one of them. Amazing. Oh, this is definitely. This is absolutely a video nasty. I mean, fair this enough. Is certainly a video the nasty. The end when they the all start decaying nasty. into creamed corn. Okay. That is the greatest thing I have ever seen. It's I remember so the first good. time I watched that, my brain like it lit up. It was it was like it was like that meme where like the brain is 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 not lit up and then it gets more lit up and then you hit euphoria and your brain is like blowing up that was me watching that okay. scene it so that incredible. scene is what i always like when when you're a child and like adults tell you like this is your brain on drugs like that's what i thought <laughs> yes. like you were like you would have done like when you did drugs and who would have thought that partaking in those drugs makes this movie a better experience. Yes, it does. <laughs> and it's plot relevant told. in a way, because when they were originally listening to the Sumerian chanting recordings in the beginning of the, the movie, um, at that point, the, the characters were supposed to be smoking pot. Um, the actors were in fact smoking pot to the degree that they um, ruined the entire take being so unruly, just like Monica and I did that one episode we tried to record on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> they just Sometimes got so just fucked up. Yeah, they were having too much fun is the problem. But okay, the, the decomposing corpse scene though... It was stunning and it went on for so long and I was like, so I can watch a whole movie that's this. And it's, it had oatmeal. it's like stop animation. Claymation. Cla- is, is it stop animation or claymation? Both. Is it? Ugh. Claymation is like a form of stop motion animation. Uh, stop, stop animation. Motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it, yeah. Oatmeal, snakes, guts made out of marshmallow strings, Madagascar, cockroaches, cockroaches which spooky they hands from Michigan State University. Bursting out of them. Oh, the extra hair. Why? That was weird. Oh. I mean, I, I loved don't know, it, but, but it was why? cool. 
that was the extra demon inside of them. Sure. The devil is trying to get Tearing out. Tearing its way out. You know, the devil made them do it. Mm-hmm. That was a Conjuring 3 reference. <laughs> um, anyway. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, okay, with the end, um, I, okay, like I said earlier, did Mr. Akajim try literally anything before he said, I must dismember my wife? Um, I don't know. Because... Uh, he clearly didn't burn the book of the dead um, or we wouldn't have this movie at all for one. Um, But also like, you know, this is his discovery. Maybe he values science more than his life. I guess he is actually Ash from alien. Um, There's, there's all these alien references. And actually I wouldn't be shocked if, if Sam Raimi hadn't seen alien and, and taken some influence from it, you know what I mean? Because it did come first. Um, but I really kept waiting for, um, the monocle to be plot relevant. You know what I mean? Beyond just being like a trinket of their love. Um, and the way it ended up being relevant is that he essentially used it, uh, 47 meters down style to hook (laughs) onto the book and drag it closer to him. Um, and that's how he was able to, it had sort of caught on fire in one of the corners, but it was burning slow and he could fully toss it into the flames. Um, but originally, apparently what they were going to do was use it as a magnifying glass to like catch the sun and burn the book which is what I thought when I first saw it that that that's how it was going to be used because like what else are you going to do with yeah a monocle you know what I mean unless it's like there's okay wait actually how funny would it have been if they were like there's very small fine print in this book that we can only read when we're looking at it through the monocle (laughs) that that would have been wow that would have been the, the horror movie sequence for nerds, is that would have been exactly the movie they were not trying it. to make but have they considered it for um ash versus jason 47 meters down day to you underwater that's a you question I mean? only you can answer because you're writing <laughs> yeah it. yeah i'm just saying nobody steal that idea i i know i said it on Copyright. public record now but it's mine and tm you know what i mean tm trademark Copyright. yeah she said TM. yeah it's i her. said tm 2021 <laughs> spooky tuesday limited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay i feel like we i feel like we're ready to get into our segments what do we think yeah oh, yeah oh yeah okay so how could it be gayer cheryl's gay i feel like yeah for sure for sure i feel like ash could be by oh i'm on board with that that could and explain I, I why he keeps Scotty around because Scotty sucks. Yeah, he's just like he had that floop, floopy hair. Floopy is oh. not the word I was going for, but he had that floopy hair. Very cute. So who can who could blame Ash for that? And he was oh. wearing a lot of denim. Big bisexual vibes. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, you know it just works. <laughs> um, and then. I also would just like to point out the beautiful metamorphosis that Ash undergoes throughout the film. We already talked about how he went from scaredy cat to bad bitch, but also like his hair did that too. His hair (laughs) was pretty lame in the beginning. And then it got, as he got more and more distressed, it got bigger and it's the humidity. I don't know, whatever it was, it worked for him. The blood, your hair looks sexy, pushed back with blood in it. Like that's the kind of vibe. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Everybody looks sexy covered in fake blood. Everybody. Yeah, she's been saying. Every single person. Uh, yeah. It's a tenant of this, of the show. It's a tenant of Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, I didn't get any gay vibes from Linda or Shelly, unfortunately. Um, but I also didn't get to know them very well. They did like cards, and that's nice. But I don't know what that says about them. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I mean, being that excited about that gift and then his kissing so passionately, you know what I mean? It felt like um, she's just a woman in love, you know? She's yeah. a woman in love. She's a woman in love. She's a woman in love. That doesn't mean she's it's not bisexual, bisexual, but I didn't, I didn't pick up on the energy. Here's a woman the in love with a bisexual man. So she's got bi, bi- husband energy. Husband energy. Yeah. yeah. But also, you do know that Linda and Shelly have drunkenly made out. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Think about like, this. They're still Shelley... both very straight, but they've definitely made out at a bar i would believe that because shelly is so willing to make linda feel good about herself because linda's like it's the eight of spades or whatever and it's not that is not the card (laughs) at all and shelly's like yeah babe you got it good job girl (laughs) and then linda immediately goes babe look i got it ash i i guessed the right card and shelly's heart breaks so maybe shelly making points for shelly now actually yeah yeah (laughs) linda straight as they come shelly and you know scott would be like this is so hot right so maybe she's doing it to be like one of those like oh yeah i'm gonna make out with you because like my boyfriend i'll think it's hot but really she wants it that's her excuse yeah. yeah, she did it to make because she thought it would make her boyfriend think it was hot. But then she was like, I liked it. So Shelly is the first a, time was God, for Scott. No, Every time after that was for herself. That's for Shelly. <laughs> wow. I wish this had been in the sequel, but they're not in the sequel. <laughs> um, okay, Matthew Lillard. Um, we established that he was alive in 1979 for Alien, so he is certainly alive in 1981 for The Evil Dead. Um, but there's no room for children in this film. Um, so well, we would have to time travel him. Okay. Here's Oh, no, don't put a child. There's too many bad things. No, no, no. <laughs> um, this is a piece of trivia, and I would not um replace them necessarily, but I'm just saying here is one place. Um Okay, so on the the demon tape, the chanting, apparently they say something that sounds like salmon rob dossies hikers dandied roadsa or whatever. And Latin ask. I was trying to make it sound not too much like how it's written because apparently what it means or what it was supposed to sound like as like a fun little Easter egg was Sam and Rob are the hikers on the road. Sam and Rob being director Sam Raimi and producer Rob Tappert, um, who play the fishermen that like wave at the car as they go by. Matthew yeah. Lillard could have been a third man standing with them. Their 11-year-old son, perhaps their two gay dads. And then it's a little bit gayer <laughs> there as well. Um, and then that. Matthew Lillard love is it. just their little 11-year-old son waving as the car drives by. I could see him looking vacant and waving. Yeah, he would be great at that. And then they would just have to change the the Sumerian chanting to include him as well. But I think if you do like Sam and Rob and Matty Lily, Justice Tigers, Dante Rhodes, yeah, I think it would be great. <laughs> that sounded <laughs> unbelievable. 
Chelsea, can you be careful? Oh, sorry. I've Latin said it twice now. Yeah. You got a chance. If though. you I think fucking that awaken the book of the dead. You know what I mean? I think you need at least three. You need to be careful. Though. I won't do it again. Do not bring that type of bullshit in. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Um, okay, so I think that's like probably the only place for him because I wouldn't change the rest of the cast for anything. I mean, he would have been a great Scott, but also then I would have to hate him so much. He could um, be um, the off-screen evil that's flying over the ground. You know what I mean? Ooh, the embodiment of evil itself. The deadites themselves. Yeah. yeah, evil itself. The evil dead. Yeah. And that it like flies into ash at the end and then just for a second it turns around and it's maddie maddie lily waving at the camera he's just like hey. yeah just like hi just friends. a cute okay. little maddie lily cameo yeah he'd look great he'd do great at that that's not that scans I, i'm sold <laughs> so next is dumb bitch and it's scott yeah we basically yeah. already did this earlier on. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but just to reiterate, we like we're like, oh, maybe we'll say it later. We're saying it now. It's He's Scott. the dumb bitch. Truly, dumb not bitch. a single question at hand. Fuck him. <laughs> it's over. Um, and that brings us to our knives out of fives. Um, so set the scene for us, Chelsea. So this movie, um, it didn't win an Oscar like Alien did, but it did win the best low budget what? film at the Saturn Awards in 1983. Um, and I don't know why it was 1983 unless the Saturn Awards are in some other country where it got a later release, I do not know. Um, but regardless, it, it did win best low budget film. Um, on IMDb, it has a 7.5 out of 10. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 95% fresh from critics and 84% fresh from audiences. So a little bit you're running the still very good scores, but you're a little bit 95, 84, 7.5. You know what I mean? So you've got some variety in there. Um, but as we know, this is like one of the defining films of the genre. And it is a film that influenced a bajillion other films. And it is maybe the reason we've got um, the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, and it also gave us um cabin in the woods and a billion other things so i certainly think that those are all very distinguishing honors you know what i mean mm -hmm. in terms of okay. knives out of fives though um i would say um i didn't really have any significant complaints you know what i mean like there was nothing that i really didn't like other than the the tree scene which as we've discussed unnecessary um but that aside, and I can, for the most part, if I'm not watching carefully, pretend it didn't go as far as it did. Um, and I get to decide, you know. Um, You're the master of your own destiny, girl. Exactly. Um, so I think for me, um, I'd give it a, a pretty good rating. I'd probably give it like a 4.75 knives out of five. So like, I don't know that it was exactly perfect. You know what I mean? But it's definitely super good. And it's definitely worthy of a high rating. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I would give it like probably the same score, maybe even a 4.8, just because it's so much fun for me and also because I said this on our getting to know you episode but also this movie is the reason that I can watch scary movies by myself one day I just came home from work 
in, I don't know, I think it was 2019. And I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to start watching all the scary movies that I don't have anyone to watch with because it's spooky season and fuck y'all. And so I I moved. Yeah, you fucking (laughs) moved. That's exactly it. You moved. Adam was still working like out of state all the time. So I was like, what am I supposed to do on a weeknight? Like just sit there and twiddle my thumbs? No, I'm going to watch Evil Dead. And it scared the absolute shit out of me just because it was so gory and I wasn't used to watching scary movies as I am now where like I looked at this and I was like, oh, more blood. I love that. Uh, (laughs) How charming. How charming. But yeah, this movie holds a special place in my heart. And so, yeah, 4.8888 maybe even for me. I love this one. And um, I've been very generous with my scores lately. And maybe that'll hopefully I got to start being uh, more persnickety in season two. But not for this one. It's it's great. I loved it. We started off season two with a banger. And I'm giving this bitch a five out of five. Because again, minus the tree scene, which... This movie has everything that Sydney wants out of a movie. You said that earlier, and then you said there was one thing it didn't have. What was the one thing? Well, the tree. The tree scene. Oh, is the, the one what you thing wanted was the absence I, of the tree scene. Yes. Okay. The absence of the tree scene. Like it wasn't necessary. I think she could have gotten, I still think she could have gotten they could attacked have by the, the tree trees. Guys. Yeah. And gotten attacked, but like Scott got attacked by the trees and did not get penetrated. You know what I mean? I, as far yeah, as we know, well, really, it doesn't need to go that far. I guess. Oh right? yeah, like we maybe point, though, we don't know what happened with Scott. I mean, that's why maybe so she could have just like gotten a splinter or something, <laughs> and it could have been like really tragic, you know? But they could have started to like be- drag. It could have been like tree vines dragging her into the earth. You know what I mean? Right. And she could have broken away there. But like this movie has this movie has everything that I love about like that classic, you know, 80s horror. It's cheesy and campy and just like batshit ridiculous and just ridiculous. (laughs) It's so perfect. This movie is so good. I can't wait to like watch it with my children one day. Oh, has a fair few titties for uh, viewing with children, but I, we'll figure it out. Hey, my <laughs> children could be like 18 when we watch it together, you know, like so, adult uh, children. free the nipple, you know, so yeah. Oh, no, agreed, agreed, agreed. They need to know what a woman's body looks like, but maybe not in the tree scene for the first time. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> we can just cut that scene out um, like that movie theater guy from Alien who just said, you know what? You guys don't need that. Um, it might be super plot relevant, but honestly, you'll survive. <laughs> My bathrooms are better, are more important than your film going experience. <laughs> and sometimes such is the case. All right, well that that wraps us up for the Evil Dead. Um, and yeah, this is our this was our season premiere. Um, I hope you're enjoying yourself this spooky season. And we've got a stacked fucking set of of movies for you for this month. Okay, it's October. We're going hard. So who wants to introduce the next one? It's Sydney. It. <laughs> it's Sydney. We did a little nose goes. Okay, so 
Next week, we are going to be talking about a movie that haunted our childhoods, or it haunted mine at least. I don't know when y'all watched it, but I think this movie came out in 2002, and it is The Ring. Dude, I fucking forgot what movie we were doing next week. That's why I made someone else (laughs) announce it, and that's why, because this movie- this movie fucked me up so bad and i saw it as a full-fledged adult <laughs> so um yeah this is gonna this be a movie, fun one to watch this again. movie <laughs> fucked me up because i saw it like when it came out and because oh. i was queen of sneaking into movie theaters queen of seeing Ooh, that pg-13 that. when she was but 12 yeah what a very on brand thing for you (laughs) this movie like truly fucked me up as a child especially that opening scene bro I completely blacked out this entire movie so I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) I also don't know what you're talking about because while my friend Brianna maintains that I watched this movie with her and other people when we were doing like a weekend away um, I'm pretty confident that I immediately fell asleep and saw absolutely none of it. Um, and when I woke up, I'm pretty sure Jackass was playing on the TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think I missed it entirely, but also I remember the people that we were with making fun of it for like a year leading up to that experience. And so I do have some knowledge and I also have seen scary movie too. You know what I mean? So I've, I've got yeah, some base important. laid. Um, yeah, but while, while Brianna would tell you that I have seen this movie, I, I tragically think, um, eyes closed, ears closed, no thoughts. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we'll see. Unconscious. I'll let, even. I'll, well, here's the thing. If I watch it and I'm like, Oh yeah, then I'll let you know. But I think mm-mm. you better. I mean, the only thing I can say is that by next week, you will have watched it. And that's for sure. Threatening, <laughs> ominous, spooky, <laughs> spooky. So join us next week for The Ring. Um, oh, my God. In seven days. <gasps> oh, so fun. I had a good time. <laughs> Job, Bonnie. If you like things, thank you. If you like things like that, you should rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser because we're on there now. Follow us also on all of our social media at Spooky underscore Tuesday for Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Spooky Tuesday Pod for Facebook and Tumblr. And we're on Letterboxd at Spooky Tuesday. Read our reviews. You're going to love it. You'll learn a lot. You won't, um, but you might like it. <laughs> and that's it. That's our season premiere. Yay! Yay! Bye. (laughs) Bye, Spookies. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. Shut up. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Not another peep. Kinda gonna be.